Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA. Get a quote today. Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Hello, welcome to episode 97 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. This episode is brought to you by Rampy and Crew patron supporters. Thank you. I am your host this evening, Bethany Finger, and today I have a new guest, fellow podcaster Haley from We Majored in English for This. Hello. Question mark. Question mark. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That is the question. (laughs) Tell everybody a little bit about you and your podcast. Um, my friend and I, Kayla, that I do the podcast with, we were both English majors at the same school, like we did the same program and everything. And afterwards, we both were like, what does this even mean? What do we even do with this? So we were like, let's make a podcast about crappy YA books. So not crappy, not all of them, but that's the, (laughs) you know, the main, um, thing of it but so we just talk about books basically we we pretend that it's we use our english degrees to talk about them but really we just rant and rave for about an hour and a half a week so (laughs) (laughs) so have i know you've read these books before do you remember how you found them and maybe the first time you read them so i had always seen cinder like the the original cover with the red shoe and the the not it's not really like a cyborg foot it's kind of like a foot with like mechanical parts in it yeah I'm talking about but so I always remember seeing those and I was like I should really read those they look really fun and just never did and then last year for the podcast Kayla wanted to do them so I was like let's do it. I was super excited. And then I started reading them. And I swear it was the fastest I've ever read four books in my (laughs) entire life. Like I just, when I, you know, after you get past that certain page and you're just so into it, you just cannot stop. So that was how I definitely was with this. So I know a lot of people struggle to get through Scarlet and I always tell them like, just wait till you get to the train. Cause like once they jump off the train, (laughs) everything starts off and it's the same with like crest like i know it starts off a little slow but once they get to the desert like things really start to get going like every chapter at that point is like super crucial and then winter is just i mean if you've never read winter just give yourself like 26 hours take a day (laughs) off of work call in sick tell your spouse to leave you alone like just power through (laughs) just power through there's a lot going on it's very hard to stop reading (laughs) Yeah, I don't I didn't think anything was ne- like anything in this series was necessarily slow. I loved like every second of it. I couldn't get enough, so. Yeah, me too. Especially like especially because a lot of times with series I feel like there's a lull. Yeah. Where I get like especially if it's a really long series, I'll get burnt out on it right o- like after a book or two and I don't want to keep going and I'll be like, "You know what? I'll come back to this later. I'm not really in this mood or in this mindset anymore. And I don't feel that is the case here. Right. I feel like everything, I feel like it's paced really well. Like everything like either keeps you on your toes or you're loving it or 
like you're loving the romance or like the action is intense or it's always something that kept me just reading constantly so i agree so speaking of reading what are you currently reading at the moment so um i just finished uh the first book of the mistborn series by brandon sanderson and i'm waiting on the second book and i'm just chomping at the bit to get that book but i waited way too long to order it so it's coming but then i decided to pick up um the fifth season by nk jemison and it's really interesting but i like 20 pages in so i can't really say but then for the podcast we are um reading the lost book of the white by cassandra claire this week or next week so also that so I'm kind of all over the place right now. No, I totally, I totally get it. I so I like to listen to audiobooks. Yeah. So definitely. right now, like when I go running or when I'm working out or cleaning the house or something. So right now I'm listening to A Curse of Gold by Annie Sullivan, who's an author friend of mine. And nice. then I'm reading The Cruel Prince. <laughs> oh, we're doing those later this year, and I'm so excited. They, I actually read the first chapter and then had to stop and (laughs) read something else because I had just finished an 11 book Faye series and I immediately was like, okay, everything is already starting to blur together. Like I need some kind of a palate cleanser to separate myself before I get consumed by another world. So I stopped and I read a Meg Cabot book called Teen Idol. Meg Cabot, I think, is an amazing author, and I think she's perfect for palate cleansing because all of her books are like super fun, super simple. They're only like 300 pages. You can buzz right through them. So I started Cruel Prince. I think I'm on like chapter five. I'm really not that far in yet, but nice. my, my husband actually picked this one. He's not a reader, but I sometimes get like crazy overwhelmed with my TBR and like I mm-hmm. don't know what to do. And sometimes I'll even ignore, like, what I feel like I should read versus, like, what I'm actually in the mood for. Yeah, I'm definitely a mood mood reader when I'm not reading for the podcast. Like, I'll read, like, the same line over and over, and I'm like, okay, clearly I am not into this, so I just put it down, move on. Right, like, if and if I'm not in the mood for something, that doesn't mean I'm not going to enjoy it. That doesn't necessarily mean it's not, like, a good book. It just means that I'm not in the mood for that particular plot at the moment. Right, Um, yeah. So for for me, like, I just, sometimes I I don't want something so complicated. I have a lot going on with school and with my writing and with the podcast, and so sometimes it's like, I just need something, like, fun and simple that isn't going to make me think and question my reality <laughs> and things like that. So yeah, but it's good so far. I, I know that I've had several people who've been like, you know, you're going to get to a point where you can't stop reading and uh, you're going to buzz right through book two and three. And I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have tried to read this series while I'm working on my master's <laughs> degree. Like, <laughs> like, maybe you should have put this one off a little bit. I know. But you know what? After this, I, I love fairytale adaptations, and I haven't read any in a little while. So I feel like after this, I'm going to go to my fairytale TBR and grab a couple of those. Yes. Just because I feel like I need to get back in that world. And, you know, Marissa's book will be coming out in November, her book Gilded, which is a Rumpelstiltskin retelling, which I'm super excited about. Rumpelstiltskin nice. does not get enough retellings. <laughs> so. 
Have you read that? Uh, Cinderella is dead. It's not necessarily no. a retelling, but um, no, but it looks so good, right? It's on my TBR. It is good. I, <laughs> yeah, we read it last week for the podcast, and it was it's super fun. I really liked it. It's not necessarily a retelling. It's like two hundred years later after Cinderella, and it's like all the lies, and it was just really fun. So highly recommend. Yeah, I'm excited to read that one. And I have also, I finished Dread Nation this summer. And oh, there's a sequel yeah, yeah. that I've been wanting to get to, but I haven't been like in a zombie mood. Mm. Uh, I don't think Dread I've ever read a zombie so book. So what have I read? I read Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, which if anyone ever wants to read it, <laughs> I'm not saying it's not good, but you get all of the content you need from the title it's literally pride and prejudice word for word but with like a paragraph <laughs> about zombies every couple of pages that's pretty much the entire plot nice. so if you're thinking i don't know if i want to read this book you don't have to <laughs> like i'm just telling you right now that is the whole plot it's in the title and that's it and the movie is vastly different but we all know that's the case right right um always <laughs> i read world war z which was great and i I think that's actually it that I've read for zombies. There needs to be like a classic YA, but with zombies instead of vampires or <laughs> demon killers or <laughs> something of that sort. Oh, like that it needs so funny. That needs to happen for sure. Maybe, maybe I'll put it on my idealist and. and- <laughs> And it's probably of, out there somewhere like, i just have no idea like five years there'll be like a uh dedicated to in my book and it'll say your name or something i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i i know like i'm constantly trying to think of ideas that are fun and new and exciting mm-hmm. uh, but i i definitely steer somewhat clear of anything that's gonna take a lot of scientific research at the moment yeah. just because school is very overwhelming um, right. And my, my current book is taking a lot more research than I had anticipated. So that's already very like distracting. So yeah. yeah. Anyone listening who's a writer, because I know I have lots of listeners that are writers. Um, we want more zombie books that are YA. <laughs> you know, go for yeah. it. I think I would love one where like no one knows they're a zombie. Oh, like, oh what if that it, would be really interesting. Yeah, like, what if being a zombie is, like, normalized or something? Like, they're just a separate species. They eat, like, pig brains or something, you know, and they're just, like, socially accepted. That would be awesome. I don't don't know. That would be amazing. (laughs) Remember before we started recording and I said, I'm trying to control my tangents and we're already (laughs) off on a zombie rant. That's all right. It's all right. <laughs> oh, it's fine. So, anyways, that is what we are currently reading at the moment. Let's talk about this fan art because it is amazing. I'm it's so, so happy. Cute. I love it. This is from March 12th. It is by E E R N A R T S on Instagram. And one million thank yous for this art. It is literally a scene depiction, sort of in graphic novel form, of mm-hmm. this chapter this chapter that we're going to talk about today, chapter 57. Um, and it's beautiful and awkward and <laughs> creative. And I love their like facial expressions. And it has like a, almost like a purple undertone, which I love because purple is my favorite mm-hmm. color. Um, so yeah, just 
beyond amazing. And big thank you for sharing this because I love getting art that's like actual scene depiction and not just like, you know, headshots of the characters, which I love those too. But I like being able to get something so specific. Right. And I just now noticed that Cress is wearing the dress. Like, I, well, I knew that she was wearing the dress, but I just now kind of like looked at the detail of the dress. And it's, yeah, it's the way that, um, it's the way that she described the dress and how Iko described the dress. She's still wearing the whole thing. And I like that it's kind of wrinkled. You can kind of see that she's been wearing it all night, that she's been running around. Yeah, it's it. oh, it's just so amazing. And this is one of my favorite segments of the podcast because while I have an amazing imagination, I cannot <laughs> draw to save my life. I don't even have good handwriting. So I love all the amazing art we get to share. And, and all the artists have been so great about letting me share as long as I get credits. So yeah, just big thank you for letting us share this one because it's beautiful. It is very good. Goals. I wish I could do that. I cannot. <laughs> no way. For sure. Last week, Patreon members got to vote for chapter titles, and chapter 56 of Crest is titled What's It All For by Eva Ride. And that's it, kids. Chapter discussion. <laughs> it's going to be great. I like to put in the, because some people don't like all the housekeeping, right? So I like to put in the show notes chapter discussion starts at such and such timestamp and I get like embarrassingly proud of myself (laughs) when that number is below like 15 minutes nice (laughs) because there are times when it's like 45 minutes and I'm like oh god what did we talk about for 45 minutes (laughs) what are we even doing here what's happening (laughs) (laughs) oh before we start I just want to say that I messaged you and I said, I didn't know it was that chapter. <laughs> All caps, that chapter. So, it's warning. one of the big ones. <laughs> it's going to be, I'm going to squeal probably a lot. <laughs> that's like my entire premise for the podcast. So that's totally, <laughs> this is like the ultimate fangirl moment is me doing mm-hmm. this podcast. So, <laughs> Absolutely. So I decided to do this chapter by itself for several reasons. One, the tone of the next chapter and the chapter before this are very different. And I think there's a lot of emotions in this chapter that I wanted to really focus my attention on. And two, yes, it's only one chapter for this episode, but I'm pretty sure we're still going to get a lot of content and discussion out of it (laughs) because there's quite a bit of information in these couple of pages. So yes. Last week, we left off Dr. Erlon telling Lavana and everyone, basically, that Cinder is Princess Celine. And Jacin chuckled to himself when he realized that he'd just been running around outer space with not <laughs> a crazy cyborg girl, but the long-lost princess and but right heir. Princess Celine. I think that was probably Jason, like, realizing that and chuckling and Lavana being pissed, <laughs> or sorry, excuse me, being mad at him chuckling was probably, like, top five moments of this whole series. <laughs> I love it. I love Jason, so just that whole little scene was just, like, French kiss. French and I, kiss? I, French kiss? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Kiss. No judgment, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I love that moment because it's it's also like we as the reader know why he's chuckling, 
So we kind of get to be like, did you finally catch on, bro? Like, <laughs> did you Bro-Lavana really think it was just-, <laughs> just like, I hate it. I hate it. I'm going to kill him. <laughs> well, it's like, because from Jacin's perspective, Cinder is some crazy cyborg girl who had a crush on the emperor who has now decided that she's going to take on the queen and ruin his wedding because she has a crush on the emperor. I know. And so Jacin is like, she's obviously delusional. I don't know why she thinks that she's capable of being successful at this, but whatever. Like, so finding out this information for him, it's kind of like, oh, she actually has a chance and she like has a purpose. Right. About all the princess stuff. (laughs) Wow. So I just love that moment because it's. I know. I don't like. Yeah. As a character. So it's like great for us to have this moment where we kind of appreciate him a little bit definitely I feel like not often enough did I think about Cinder's actions from the point of view of like Kai or you know anyone else because I was just like yes Cinder get it but then like (laughs) from the outside it's like what is this girl doing (laughs) yeah it's she has to seem insane. <laughs> Which makes it all the more impressive that all of the people in Farafra were so supportive and oh, so behind her because they didn't know that she's the rightful heir, the long lost princess. She was just someone willing to stand up and that was enough for them. Oh, crying. <laughs> Already tears in my eyes. <laughs> oh, we haven't even got to the sad stuff yet. I know. <laughs> Press has been deflecting trackers for the Rampion so that it stays hidden for three hours. I oh my god, that imagine. sounds mentally exhausting. I know. I can't. Like, I know. Thank God she's like used to this because I could not do it. I can't. I can't do anything for three hours. Yeah, this was like her job on her satellite was basically (laughs) participate in this kind of activity. So that's true. But yeah, it just also like I'm thinking of the pressure she's under during those three hours. Like she's probably trying to be quick and thorough and efficient because, you know, they're running for their lives. (laughs) And then she's also the only one doing it. And the survival of everyone on the Rampion, everyone in the galaxy, and the rebellion as we know it, and the revolution as we know it, all of that, like, hanging on this one tiny girl and her ability to deflect these trackers. Like, that is a very intense three-hour period. I know. I feel like it's not, it's not emphasized quite enough, like, how probably vulnerable they were in those three hours. I feel like it's not emphasized enough how screwed they would be if Cress was <laughs> not helping them. I know. And I they would have been that... found in like five minutes. Absolutely. Like I it's also funny or it's also crazy to think about Cress doing something for three hours because I feel like anytime we see her do another technical thing, it's like she does it in 30 seconds and then it's done. So the fact that this took yeah. her three hours is like crazy. So. Well, she does say that the Eastern Commonwealth is offering reward money. So there's like even more people looking for them now. Because before looking for Cinder and Thorn, it was just like military and police. Mm-hmm. Now 
we've got basically the whole planet and <laughs> Lavana and her croonies and people who want money. Yep. Which is a pretty large portion of the pop- of the population. I bet it would be pretty much everyone except Dr. Erland, probably. Like, I on mean, the Earth at the moment. Right, like, who wouldn't want to be the one they can still call the tip line? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, guess what I found? <laughs> Better get that checkbook ready. So, <laughs> they don't have the trained pilot that can see. The only way they even got through the takeoff was because Thorne, like, told Cinder how to do it. And they used auto control. So, like, until Thorne gets his eyesight back, they're kind of literally flying blind. (laughs) Literally. This is, like, a really interesting moment to me. She considers the word friends as it applies to the people that are on the ship with her, to these, these fellow rebels of hers, as Jason was calling them. I know. When I, like, it makes me so sad. That she's like, oh, these are my friends. But then she's like, wait, are these my friends? I've never had these before. I do not know this feeling. And it's like, my heart is breaking. (laughs) It's so... It's so hard to contemplate what it would be like to be a teenage girl. We don't know Cress's exact age, but to be a teenage girl... And not know or understand the concept of friendship on a personal level Mm -hmm. to the point where you're not sure if you recognize it when it happens. Like as a kid, I don't even remember those experiences. Like, I mean, I grew up with siblings and cousins and, um, you know, we went to like church events and stuff. Like I was always surrounded by other children. So I don't even remember like the concept of when I learned like what it was like when I was like, Ooh, this is my first friend. I don't even remember that. And so it's kind of interesting to think like, well, how would I feel as a teen being confronted with a situation where like, I've met these people, I've connected with these people. We've like ran for our lives. Does that make them my friends? I know. I feel like I, I was always super awkward and of everyone in this, uh, series I feel like I relate to Crest the most because I feel like I've just been most of my life just been like naive and innocent yes. and, like ready to do what I have to do you know but I just yeah I I don't know I was kind of an awkward kid so I can kind of understand that like trying to make friends but not really knowing if they like you but then after that like once you get that they like you. They're like, oh, that's my best friend now. So I don't know. I, mean, I never I'm had to like, kind of like that to an extent. contemplate it. But like, I'm still really awkward and it's still difficult for me to make friends because I'll think we're friends and then I'll do or say something and they just disappear. And I'm like, oh, um, <laughs> no. Oh, no. <laughs> but I, I just, it's interesting to me this context because I would consider them her friends. I think that they would consider themselves her friends, especially Aiko, because mm-hmm. I feel like Aiko just wants everybody to be her friend, right? Absolutely. Like, yeah. the only thing Aiko would want more in the world than a friend or a boyfriend is, like, an arch nemesis for the sole purpose of her <laughs> being able to say that, like, I have an arch nemesis. Mm-hmm. And to you get, know, like, like, a, like, a cool, like, 
like to have two opposing like costumes, you know? Yeah. Like (laughs) she's the superhero and they're the villain. Like I can see that. I go would be so down for that. She loves the drama. (laughs) So she doesn't feel like she has to be rescued anymore. And that's kind of comforting to her. And she's thinking about this while she's kind of fiddling with Sybil's decom chip. And Thorn is there. She's still in her dress. Because it makes her feel like she's in a net drama. Yes, girl. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I still wear my wedding dress once a year on our wedding anniversary because I love feeling pretty. I Oh, yeah. That's so nice. I love being pretty. My friend Ashley, who used to co-host this with me, um, she sewed. She's a seamstress in her spare time. And she made me this beautiful pink and orange and gold renaissance dress so I could wear it to a renaissance festival. Um, And then COVID happened, so I didn't get to wear it. So now sometimes I just wear it. (laughs) Sometimes I just put it on. Just put it on. Like my husband will come home and he's like, You felt like being extra pretty today? And I was like, Yep, I'm a princess. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. But I love that this is Crest, that Crest feels like she's a princess in this moment. I know. Because what also, when you think about it, like Crest has never had anything really. Like she's had the like the bare minimum that she just needed to survive that Sybil gave her. She didn't even have shoes. Yeah. (laughs) She didn't even have shoes. And like that one dress that she had that she was like, I'm going to put it back on. I can't remember when that was, but do you know what I'm talking about? She was like, yeah, it's the only thing I have. It's not nice, but I like it. Yeah, it's like all I've got. So, you know, know. she said it was like worn in enough that it was comfy. That's what it was. Yeah. So it's just even cuter that she like finally has something that's like hers that she feels good in and oh, Cress. Yeah. (sighs) So Cress likes to sing while she works, which is adorable. (laughs) And... Thorin was apparently just, like, standing there listening to her work because it, like, soothes him, which I think is kind of cute. It's a little creepy. I don't think it's creepy at all. I think it's adorable. (laughs) It reminds me of, like, when she was taking a bath and singing and he was standing there. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why I'm like, oh, it's because, like, at that point she wasn't wearing clothes and he's blind, but, like, he still shouldn't have been standing there. (laughs) Uh, So this time she's dressed, (laughs) you know? At least, yeah. And they know each other a little bit better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he sits by her, asks if he's if they're invisible. She asks for his cane and destroys the decom chip with empowerment, which I love that she <laughs> includes that, that it's with empowerment. Love it. I also love the idea of like getting to destroy something in general. I think that's, like, a very freeing feeling, you know, like, in movies Mm -hmm. when people get divorced and they, like, throw their wedding ring (laughs) off a boat or something. Like, I'm trying to think if I've ever destroyed anything, and I can't think if I have. I can't think of... I I feel like I've burned things, like, old love... Not love letters, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Like, old letters and stuff. But I don't think I've ever, like, smashed something. Yeah, I've thrown stuff away. I There's a few, um, like, 
I don't want to say the word ritual because I think people take that word out of context. But my family are, are gypsies and there's a few like old traditions that we do that mm-hmm. have to do with like burning. But it's mostly like burning plants and candles. So that makes sense. <laughs> there's not a lot of like destruction involved. Or like personal items that were left yeah. behind. I mean, I've accidentally <laughs> destroyed things. Like, I'm clumsy. I've definitely <laughs> broken things without the intent of breaking them before. But, like, I, even, I keep stuff. Like, if something was bought for me, I keep it. It's mine. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the worst at that. This closet that I mentioned earlier that I'm sitting in packs yes. <laughs> with just stuff that I do not need but I cannot get rid of. <laughs> Well, like, I love unicorns. I've been collecting unicorns since I was a kid. And my ex-boyfriend bought me these two beautiful unicorns with, like, fairy lights and flowers and, and grass. And they're they're so pretty. Um, and they're, like, ceramic. And they're they're pretty big. They're probably about the size of a teapot. And when my husband and I first moved in together, he asked where they came from. And I was like, oh, Tyler got me those for my birthday. And he was like, why do you still have them? And I was like, because they're mine. <laughs> they were they're my unicorns. <laughs> like, which I, sounds kind of childish out loud. But like, why would I get rid of those? They're beautiful. And they cost a lot of money. And they belong to me. Right. When I look at those, I do not think about my ex-boyfriend. I look at those and think, oh, my God, I love unicorns. <laughs> Now, if it was, like, an engagement ring or something, yeah, I don't want that. But it's a unicorn. Like, it's nothing – there's no, like – Yeah, like, there's no sentimental value in it in terms of, like, connecting me to that particular person, you know? Right. For sure. For sure. Like, my wedding ring, if my husband were stupid enough to divorce me, (laughs) which why would you? I'm awesome. Uh, (laughs) I'm getting, like, daggers right now. (laughs) But, I mean, I probably wouldn't keep my wedding ring. Like, what am I going to do with that? I would just look at it exactly. and be sad. Like, <laughs> you know, right. I don't know if I would destroy it, but. No, I can't. I can't imagine destroying something of value. Just, like, on the principle of that. Like, no matter the connection to it, I, I would never destroy something of value. I suppose. I suppose the equivalent of this would be, like, smashing a SIM card from your old cell phone, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah or, like, yeah, a yeah. USB driver or something. It's like, I do not need this anymore. I don't know if but it's quite it's equivalent because like, it was kind of a big deal that she had it, but... It was the catalyst for, like, the majority of this story. Mm-hmm. If that decom chip hadn't been inside... If the partner to that decom chip had not been inside Nazi, Nazi wouldn't have malfunctioned. Kai wouldn't have met Cinder at the market, and none of this would have happened. That's true. So that decom chip is actually the catalyst for our, our entire series. And <laughs> but for Cress, it's a reminder. It's a chain. It's a hmm. constant link to the world that she feels like she's finally getting away from. Like last chapter. She got to smart off. She, like, told Sybil where to shove it. So <laughs> I, she's not that girl anymore. And I think that this is a moment, like she says, it's a moment of empowerment. But this is her, like, 
not just destroying this decom chip, but destroying the girl that was associated, not necessarily destroying, but like saying goodbye to the girl that was associated with that chip because she's a, a different person now. And this is her life from here on out. Right. Absolutely. Very sim- symbolic decom chip. Yeah. I feel like that, it would feel really good to smash that particular item. If I could smash that decom chip, I would knock it out of the park. <laughs> absolutely because it's got to feel so satisfying yeah, absolutely yeah and it does thorn even points it out it does seem like ages ago you know for mm-hmm. for us on the podcast <laughs> we only do a chapter or two a week so it's actually been almost a year just in case anyone wanted to know but for the book it's been like a week and a half <laughs> However, I do remember reading it, though, and being like, yeah, that was a long time ago. Because I feel like with Cress, it, like, so much happens. But it's like when you're jumping back and forth from the perspectives, it's like not a lot of time has passed, but so much event has happened. Right? Yeah. I have notoriously been obsessed with tracking time throughout this series because it moves so quickly. So right now in the series, it is September 25th. Kai <laughs> met Cinder at the market in August. Oh my gosh. That's wild. August 16th. <laughs> Uh, or August 15th. So it's been a month and a half, a month and 10 days. That's wild. That's For like the when whole you think, series. That's like when you think about how Twilight, like it goes from Bella meeting Edward to them being irrevocably in love in like, in like five minutes, a month, like literally a month. <laughs> It's wild to think about, but I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about it. I just have to keep it in mind because I, I it just feels like longer, but especially because of the podcast. But I remember reading this and being like, September? It's only September? <laughs> That's crazy. It's crazy how much happens in the span of like six weeks, especially because like, We've been living in a world with a pandemic where everything has been kind of on pause or lag for a year. So it feels like how can you accomplish anything? (laughs) I know. I feel like it's not necessarily, like, unrealistic if to be, like, on the run and then this has got to happen and then this has got to – like, I can imagine that only taking a month, you know? Like, if I were really cinder. I mean, it just a lot of it happens quickly because it needs to happen quickly. Like we're in a war. Mm-hmm. Like there has to be a sense of urgency for all of these moving parts to make any sense. Absolutely. Yep. 
Hello, everybody. I'm Megan. And I'm Samantha. With Literary Lushes. And we want to tell you about our podcast. Join us every other week as we dive into a sci-fi or fantasy novel, where we also drink cocktails inspired by the novel. We post YouTube videos of us making the cocktails. And a lot of the times, we even have the authors on, including Dennis E. Taylor, Marissa Myers, and even Angela Roquet. So join us, because you don't want to miss the podcast that's been described as not taking ourselves too seriously. And with that, we say, stay Stay lively with your libations. Thorin says that he's really sorry they didn't get to see much of Earth when she was down there and that he feels bad that she's stuck out in space again. And she says she's actually happy because it's more spacious in the Rampion and she has better company. You mean company at all, sweetie? Right. Oh, Yeah, you basically had an imaginary friend with a voice box. This is These are real people. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with imaginary friends with voice boxes. I am notorious for having long extended conversations with my dogs. But <laughs> these are real people that she can communicate with. So yeah, much better company. I know. I feel like it's honest like it's actually kind of realistic because like she doesn't know anything else. It's not like she's like, oh man, I wanted to go on a road trip and like it's not like she doesn't have these earthly experiences that she's like, man, I wanted to do that. She's like, yeah, we're here. It's cool. I'm not mad about it. <laughs> like, yes, she had a desire to go to Earth, but mostly she just had a desire to go, to do something, to right. be out, to have a sense of purpose mm-hmm. other than cyber espionage. <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, she's out. She's doing stuff. She has a purpose. She's, like, hanging out with friends, gallivanting and saving the world. What right. else could be more fun? What What else could you possibly want to do? <laughs> exactly. Thorin asks her for help with his eye drops because, of course, he can't remember the instructions, which is exactly <laughs> what Dr. Erlon said was going to happen. <laughs> And Cress opens the port that Dr. Erlon left with the instructions, and it's got the instructions, it's got information on letamosis and the biological warfare of the plague, but it also has a folder with her name on it, Cress Moon Darnell, which is the first time she's ever had a last name in her life, so that's exciting. Wild. She's looking at it. The DNA and paternity were confirmed a week ago. He knew for a whole week and didn't say anything. I feel like, I don't know, I really liked Dr. Erland. I don't know why, but it just makes me so sad that he, like, knew, but he didn't want to tell her. (sighs) He's, He's definitely problematic, which... We've talked about a lot on the podcast, you know, lunar trafficking and stuff. Mm, But (laughs) I can understand why he wouldn't tell her from his perspective. This is the same man that started a cyborg draft that basically kills people. Not basically, that kills people. Because he needed to find the princess and it was taking him too long. Wild. So he obviously (sighs) prioritized this revolution above everything else. Mm -hmm. And so now the moment comes when he can tell his daughter that he knows who she is. Well, how do you tell her that when you guys are trying to save the world? That's going to be awkward. What if she hates you? Now you guys are all like (laughs) on the same ship, distracted instead of focusing on your your mission or whatever you want to call it. So like, I, I mean, there's reasons I could come up with for why he didn't tell her. 
But she's right. They knew they could all die at any second. Thorn kissed Crest. We'll get to it. Thorn kissed Crest <laughs> because he thought they were going to die. Right. So he could have easily told her. And he had plenty of time and opportunity. So I think a lot of it was also just maybe he was scared. Yeah. I feel like towards the end of his life, he really realized, like, I did a bunch of bad stuff. <laughs> like, I feel like he just always, like, knew what he needed to get done and, like, did not care about how he got there. So, because, like, that's the whole reason he, or no, it wasn't. I'm sorry. The reason he was getting shells was because they needed he needed their blood, right? Well, he just needed lunar blood in general so he could come up with a... Because he was trying to come up with an antidote. Right. Kress has other problems with the situation. She feels a strange sense of guilt that she wasn't able to tell this man. This man who she didn't know and who literally paid to buy her, Okay. I just want to remind everybody of Cress's perspective. Like, we as the reader, we have reader privilege. We know Dr. Erlond quite a bit better than she does. That doesn't necessarily mean that we like him, but we know him better. Cress knows him as a guy that bought her. Right. Like, paid money so that he could obtain her as a piece of property for her blood. Right. Now, does she happen to also be his daughter? Yeah. But, I mean, (laughs) it's not horrible of her to not be able to tell a man who just bought her that she loves him. Right. I'm I'm completely on Thorne's side. Thorne is like, you didn't even know him. For sure. Like, I'm just thinking of it now where, like, he purchases her. They're on, like, okay terms during the whole planning process. And then she gets to the quarantine room and he's like... I'm your dad. <laughs> and well, she's she like, even says, oh, like, okay. She even says on her inner monologue at one point that she still doesn't like the doctor, that he makes her uncomfortable, that she feels like he looks at her a lot. Like, I I don't know. It's. I know. So it's like, you can't, I, I, I doubt if he was expecting her to even say it back. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he was probably like, this is not how I wanted this to happen, but. I want you to know that I'm your dad, so that's that. And then later on, she's, like, probably still stewing on this, and then sees the paternity test, and she's like, he was correct. (laughs) So I can't imagine that whirlwind of emotions. Because it's also only been three hours. (laughs) Well, like, four hours, I guess, because the rooftop stuff probably took a while. But it's been, like, four or five hours (laughs) since she found out that her father was alive. That he apparently loved her, but she just doesn't. If anything, it seems more like she feels guilty that he was about to die and she couldn't tell him that she loved him back when there was a when that was obviously all he wanted. And so right. Thorne scoops her into his lap, which is so cute. I I am quite a bit smaller than my husband, and so I do that. I sit on the lap, and I think it's, like, the best way to get a hug. (laughs) And so I love this, like, image of him just, like, holding her and, you know. Oh, I know. It's adorable. And she cries for a minute, but she feels like it's not enough. She stops crying pretty quickly. 
And she feels mm-hmm. like she didn't cry long enough. Like she didn't mourn or feel bad enough. This is like a very conflicting situation for Chris. She feels obligated to be sad at the loss of a man she did not know. Right. Well, because what did she think? Didn't she think something happened to her parents before? I feel like now we know that I make things up, though, so who knows? (laughs) She knew that her parents gave her up because she was a shell. Okay. But she she had created, like, daydreams and fantasies of what it would be like to have parents that loved her, but she didn't actually Mm -hmm. have that. Right. So I just, I can't even, like, put myself in her shoes, like, trying to, I would have, I wouldn't know what to do either. Like, I would probably be like, uh, okay. (laughs) I would just probably put it out of my mind, be like, that never happened. (laughs) I have been pretty transparent on the podcast about being adopted. I Mm -hmm. don't know my birth father. All I know is that he didn't want me. Doesn't care about me, doesn't love me, nothing to do with me. If he died tomorrow, I don't think it would change my life in any way possible. Even if I met him right now and he was like, I'm sorry and I love you and I wish I could have been a good dad to you and all this other stuff. I don't think I would say I love you. I don't think I would feel sorry for him. I don't even think I would mourn because I don't have a connection to this person. I don't know this person. Right. Now, my dad, who I'm not even biologically related to, yeah, I would be a mess if something happened to my dad because he's my dad. So I just feel like there's a big difference between, like, having someone as your your parent, your guide through life that we have, like, an emotional connection to versus biology. Absolutely. Yeah. And I might be wrong about that. Maybe that's just the perspective of someone who's adopted. Like, maybe that's the perspective of someone who doesn't really care that much about biology, you know? No. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I think that, like, he's virtually a stranger to her. It's not like that his DNA would call to her DNA and they would bond and, like, it would be this picture-perfect parental relationship like it just that's just not how it works so I feel like yeah and I even mentioned that before that like I don't even think I would recognize my biological father if I met him in person nor do I think he would reckon well okay I look exactly like my mom so (laughs) I'm I am like the only difference between my mom and me is that she's a couple inches taller and her skin is darker Uh, but not even that much darker like so I mean, I think maybe he would recognize me if nothing else because I look exactly like his ex-wife. But I wouldn't I wouldn't <laughs> recognize him right. unless there is like some biological component that like draws my DNA to his DNA, which I'm not entirely that that sure is. is a thing. <laughs> I don't think that that's real. Then again, like I, I said, maybe- <laughs> I talk to my dogs and there's no biological connection there, so what do I know? <laughs> I think maybe it I think that it, like, Crest didn't have, like, there was no parental figure there for her. Right. At all. So I feel like maybe that is, I don't, like, I feel like she wants there to be, like, she wants to be more sad. You know what I mean? Like, she wanted to have that connection with him, but she just didn't. Well, there's not much of a connection for them to have, you know? Right. They would have had to, like start all over 
they would have like if Dr. Erlen had lived, they would have had to start from square one. You know, like there wasn't just going to be like, like get to know each other. You know, right. yeah, I completely agree. And Thorn Thorn says pretty much the same thing. I'm not an expert by any means, but I know you didn't do anything wrong today. You shouldn't tell someone you love them unless you mean it. And she says, well, I thought you said it all the time. And he's like, well, that's why I'm not an expert. I don't even think I, I'm honestly not sure I would recognize real love. That is a very profound moment for Thor. Mm -hmm. This is some major character development from the flirt who doesn't take anything seriously that we met in the desert 11 days ago or however long it's been. (laughs) Right. And so I have a couple of Patreon members that are very, like, anti-Thorn. And uh, Sarah, Danielle, <laughs> I was talking to you. And so I want to know <laughs> their opinions. Message me. Talk to me on Discord chat, whatever. I want to know, is this a turning point for Thorn? Is his character starting to develop more into whoever he says he wants to be? Basically, in this chapter, he says that, like, he kind of liked being this heroic guy that Cress saw him as. So is that... Is that the direction he wants to go? Maybe that's what he wants from now on. Maybe he's like, a hero? I never thought of that. I could be a hero. I mean, I'm a con man and a sexy (laughs) captain. Maybe I could be a hero. That sounds fun. Like, (laughs) I'm just wondering if that's where his, where his mind is going right now. I know. I feel like after a while, he, so like, I feel like we understand that when Thorne was little, he wanted to be like this great captain and have his own spaceship and all of this. And I feel like he was pretending to be that for so long that like, maybe now he's realizing that like, oh, maybe that's not who I actually am as a person. I don't know. It's kind of like, I feel like he's just like, like you and your friend and your podcast, right? Like you spend all of your time, money and energy focusing on getting this degree and you don't even think about like what comes next. You're you're just like, I got to get through finals kind of situation. And then you get done and you're like, what the hell am I supposed to do now? Right. Exactly. I kind of feel like like that's how life is in general. Like we all have moments like, well, what do I do now? I've never considered what I'm supposed to do now. I've never considered who who I want to be, what I want my life to be like. Right. Because, I mean, when you were getting I your know. degree, you weren't like, this is going to be great for my podcast. You know, like. <laughs> exactly. Hey, wait. Yes, it was. <laughs> I, we were always going to do the podcast. Saren. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, I, uh, I definitely get that. I think when you're younger, you sort of get caught up in what you think you want to do and not necessarily like what is right for you or something like Mm -hmm. I love music and I love to sing and I took growing up like I would perform I took vocal lessons I participated in choir and you know when you're a kid everybody (laughs) always says good job I just cannot Mm -hmm. stress that enough When you're a kid and you get done doing anything, I don't care if you played the tree in a play, everyone is going to come up to you and say, you did such a good job. And it wasn't until I got older that I found out I did not do a good job. I cannot sing to save my life. It is not something I should be pursuing if I want to eat. 
And right. that kind of happened. I think I was around 15 or 16. And I'd always really liked librarianship in general. I'd always, I'd worked in libraries before. I'd been a library, um, like TA while I was in junior high and high school. So I had always had like a connection with that, but it had never been like, that might be what I do with my life or career because I was always like, I'm going to be a singer. And it wasn't until I started telling, like, it wasn't until I was old enough that that wasn't a cute dream anymore that people started telling me that I should look at other skill sets. Like when you're seven and you say, I want to be a princess, everybody is like, you can be a princess if you want to. Right. But then when you're like 16, it's like, that's a cute idea. But like, you're going to be in <laughs> two years and you need to feed yourself. So you need to right. have another plan. And I feel like I had that moment of like, well, I've been doing this for 16 years. I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. Like, and I feel like everybody yeah. has that moment at some point in their life when they realize like, maybe this thing they've been pursuing for so long that they've been like hyper-focused on isn't where their mm-hmm. set is and isn't going to be successful for them. Right. I mean, I feel like that's definitely what Thorne is going through. Like, he's not, like, I don't think he's actually, like, this guy who just, this, this casual guy who, like, is too cool for school and is a captain of his own spaceship. Like, that's not, like, I think that he's realizing that that's not his only goal or that's not all that he wants out of life. And I think part of it, too, is, like, what you want to be perceived as versus what your personality actually is. Like, I definitely think he's, a you know, he's charming and fun and energetic. And Right. But I don't think he wants to be perceived as a con man. He wants to be perceived as a criminal mastermind or whatever. Um, Right. And I actually think this is a turning point because – that was his thing with with Cinder. She, I'm a captain, not a cadet. I'm a criminal mastermind. And with Cress, <laughs> she's like, "You're a hero." And he was like, "Oh, I think I like that <laughs> word better." And so now maybe he's having this moment of like, "Well, maybe I don't have to be a con man and a criminal mastermind. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe I could do something else." Right. I would love to know everybody else's sure. opinion on that because I know that was a little bit of a rant, but I, I think it's important <laughs> to acknowledge that Thorne is starting to picture himself differently than he's been right. portraying himself as, at least through this whole series and what seems like his whole life based right. off of I feel like stories. It, I feel like it might be a little later on, like a few paragraphs down where he's like, like I was believing everybody that I was a good guy and then I or I heard everybody saying I was a good guy and so I started believing that I was a good guy but then that was just my ego wasn't it I think that's like a, I think that's a little bit more later <laughs> it is and and I completely agree and I and like I said I mean I know it's not the same thing but like growing up I was like that I'm a singer and like it wasn't until I got old enough that people were like you need a real plan in life that I realized people were saying things to me that weren't true. And I'm not saying like, don't be supportive of people's dreams and ambitions. Oh yeah. Please be supportive. Please tell your children they can be singers. I'm just saying maybe prepare them a little bit. Like if you see that they're singing a lot and that they're only focusing on singing, maybe ask them if they want to do like another hobby (laughs) <laughs> maybe maybe introduce the idea of another hobby and see if it takes off. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, like I said, 
<laughs> finding out that you can't sing after thinking you can your whole life. Obviously, like, who cares? It's just singing, right? But, like, that was, like, part of my identity at that point in my life. Like, right. I basically thought I was going to be the next Taylor Swift. I wrote songs. <laughs> I sang all the time. I performed. I would sing national anthems. Every time I was on a beauty pageant, which was a lot when I was a kid, that would be my talent portion. Like, I was just constantly singing and I thought everyone loved hearing it <laughs> and I had no idea what I was putting these poor people through <laughs> oh no so I totally get the idea of like being confronted with this image of yourself that other people see that doesn't match like your inner image it doesn't match what you see about yourself and in my mm -hmm. case, it was crap. I can't sing. What do I do with the rest of my life? But in Thorne's case, it's there's another side of me that I didn't know was there. And that's this hero, this this heroic portion of his personality right. that he didn't know existed. Right. Yeah. And like, but I feel like he's still like at the beginning of their conversation, he still wants Crest to be like, I'm not actually a hero, like, I'm not a good guy, and doesn't want to hurt her, or because she thinks that he is a good guy. Well, and in her inner monologue, she says, like, it couldn't, like, that was the most heroic thing he could have done. Mm -hmm. Was they were about to die. Stopping to kiss her. <laughs> When they were all about to die in the middle of a fight was very dangerous. And so, right. and he did it just to keep his promise to her so that she wouldn't lose that one experience. So, right. yeah, I get why that would be heroic. Yeah, especially from Chris's perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I also think, like, everything my husband does is romantic because that's how I survive. <laughs> like, um, what did he do the other day when I said it was so romantic? Oh, okay, tangent. One of our dogs is extremely intelligent. Listeners already know this, but we have two dogs. We have a Beagle Lab who is autistic, and then we have a Blue Healer Staffy who is my seizure dog and is extremely intelligent. Very perceptive, very good at communicating, right? Mm -hmm. My husband and I are playing a video game together and we're fighting a troll so we can't get up or we're going to die. And <laughs> Beowulf is asleep in our room down the hall and we can hear him all of a sudden he's having like yipping in his sleep. Scamp is on the floor next to me asleep and I wake him up and I said, you need to go check on your brother. And Scamp got up and he walked down the hall and then like a minute later him and Beowulf came into the room and laid down. And my husband, like, stopped what he was doing, looked at me, and he was like, I know what you're going to say. That is sheer coincidence. And I was like, no, it's not. You cannot tell me that dog does not understand everything that comes out of my mouth. Because I literally woke him up and told him to go check on his brother, and that's exactly what he did. And Quentin was like, nope, he probably just heard Beowulf, and it's coincidence. And I was like, whatever. All snarky or whatever. And he was like you know what you're right i think you're right scamp is really intelligent and i was like thank you to me that's romantic okay <laughs> is extremely stubborn i usually don't bother 
I if I think I'm right, I don't need to argue my point. I'm just like, okay, because he's never going <laughs> to back down and it's just not worth my energy. So to me, right. that was romantic because I was like, haha, I won. <laughs> and for those of you listening who think maybe Quentin is right and it was sheer coincidence, it's not. Okay, just let me have this. No, it was not coincidence. <laughs> just let me have I would it. like to put my two cents in and it was not coincidence. I mean, I, I get what Quentin is saying. Like, it's unlikely that Scamp was like, mom wants me to check on my brother. Let me walk and go and get him and come back. Like, I get that the thought process are probably like really small. That Scamp probably heard me say brother associated it with Beowulf and then heard Beowulf crying and went and got Beowulf. But right. I woke him up and told him to do something and he did it. So it doesn't really matter how it happened. All that matters is that it happened. <laughs> so obviously Scamp is a genius. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Smartest dog in the universe. <laughs> Speaking of smartest in the universe, Thorne is not. He, did you like what I did there? Uh, <laughs> nice. Yes, it was very good. <laughs> he is so oblivious to the predicament, I think, that he's put not just himself in, but Cress in as well, and their relationship dynamic. He, she goes to get up so she can put the eye drops in his eyes, and he, like, tightens his hug before she leaves oh lord not okay <laughs> no he didn't not okay <laughs> she's like brushing the fallen drops off his face and playing with his hair and he makes a joke at the doctor's expense <laughs> and thorn is like okay i have to tell you something um the whole kate fallow thing not necessarily heroic because I just wanted to copy her homework. Well, yeah, but you had a crush on her. Yeah, but I kind of had a crush on every girl. <laughs> and we have a very transparent moment for Thorne. I couldn't before, because she says, why are you telling me this? I couldn't before. You were so certain that I was this other person, and I kind of liked that you saw me different than anyone else. That's what we were talking about, right? Mm -hmm. part of me kept thinking that maybe you've been right all along and it's everyone else who's been wrong about me that even I've been wrong about me but even that was just my ego talking wasn't it and you deserve to know the truth here's where Thorne is kind of stupid <laughs> and you think my entire opinion on you is based on one incident that happened when you were 13 years old well okay no Cress but he's obviously completely oblivious to the fact that you're in love with him Right. Like, not on his radar. If anything, he thinks it's a schoolgirl crush because this is the first boy you've ever met. Right. Or or he thinks that, like, the things that they were talking about maybe in the desert, I can't remember exactly what they were talking about, but he thinks that those are the only good things that she thinks he has done, but really she sees all the other things that he's done up until, up until that point. Well, and she has her own experiences. They've been together. Yeah, she has her own experiences right. to think of now. What about him saving mm -hmm. her in the desert and rescuing her when she was kidnapped and kissing her on the rooftop? Like, how are those things not heroic? Right. Exactly. So he wants to clarify, like, the past that she thought he was heroic, but she's like, 
no, that doesn't matter to me anymore. I think like this is what I think of you now based on the experiences we've had together. And she even says like not because of her obsession or her fantasies, but because he had given her strength. He had come for her when she needed him. He had kissed her on the brink of death. How is that not Mm -hmm. romantic? Right. And one of my favorite lines is, do you think that fate brought us together? No, I think it was Cinder, which I think is so funny. But she tells him, she reveals to him, finally, that she had a crush on him. I had a crush on you before we even met, just from seeing you on the net screens. I used to believe that you and I were destined to be together someday and that we would have this great epic romance and he says no pressure right (laughs) no big deal it's fine yeah i can do that (laughs) and we have another character development this time for crest she realizes that great epic romances don't just happen Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not fate. It's the opportunities we ha- were given and what we do with them. And we have to make these things happen for ourselves, which I think is is true to a certain extent. Like there is a sense of serendipity in life, um, like the decom right. chip that we just talked about being the catalyst for this whole series. But I mean, there's a lot of things that like rely on sheer happenstance. And, and you can track those throughout your own life and throughout the characters' lives. and. It's kind of hard, I think, to to maybe not wonder if it is fate, because what else is controlling these these instances, you know? Right. That have, like, seemingly nothing to do with each other. Right. Like, for my husband and I to meet and fall in love, I had to get a job at Hardee's <laughs> at the same time that he was working <laughs> at Hardee's, right? But how did I get a job right. at Hardee's? Well, I got a job at Hardee's because I worked at McDonald's. And the manager of Hardee's came through the drive-thru and saw me working and offered me 10 cents an hour more if I came to Hardee's. Well, how did my husband get a job at Hardee's? My husband actually worked at Dairy Queen, but all of his friends worked at Hardee's and he wanted to hang out with his friends, so he got a job at Hardee's. But then that comes into play of like, well, how did he meet all these friends? Why did they get jobs at Hardee's? Like, there are so many moving parts in our in both of our lives that had to happen for both of us to get those jobs at the same time, at the same Hardee's, in the same town of five people. Right. Yeah, it is crazy. And it's, it's so how is that? Like, I'm not necessarily saying that, like, Bethany believes in fate. But when you explain things in that way, it's like... So many things have to happen just the right way for those things to line up. I know. What is so... Okay, this might be a bit of a tangent, but have you ever seen Dark on Netflix? No. (laughs) Okay, it's a show about time travel, and I've been obsessively watching it the past, like, three days because a new season came out, and I wanted to rewatch the whole thing before I watched the new season. And it's, like, pretty much just... It's about that exact thing. It's like, it doesn't matter basically what we do, but fate makes this happen at this time, no matter if we know it's going to happen or not, it's always going to happen. It's just wild. But yeah, I don't know. I think, I think there's some truth in that. Like, I think that, I don't know, not anything is possible. Like it has to be there has to be some kind of luck or fate or something 
Like, it can't just happen. I don't know. I'm talking out of my butt. No, I completely agree. I think that there has to be certain decisions that change those things. The catalyst, as we talked about, you know, for the dog, I was just praising the brilliant dog, right? That we adopted. (laughs) We got a dog named Addie. She was a lab. She was six weeks old and we adored her. Um, We adopted her on a Tuesday and she died the following Saturday. She had Pavo and not Pavo, Parvo. And she didn't make it. And we sent her to this clinic to get all this treatment that cost us like $4,000. And so we went to the clinic to get her remains and stuff like that. And there was this dog. This beautiful little puppy who was four months old and um, so kind and so smart. He was obviously scared. um, But I was sitting on the floor crying. I was so upset. And he came over and he like licked my hand and he sat in my lap. And I was like, he seems perfectly healthy. Why is he at an emergency animal clinic? Because he had Parvo and the family couldn't pay for it. So they just left him there. Oh, my God. And I was like dead set on not getting another dog because like we had this dog for five days and I could not handle her death. Like, how was I going to handle a dog I had for 15 years? But when he sat in my lap like that, I just completely fell apart. That is a lot of things that have to happen in a specific way at a specific time for me to adopt my dog. And that could have easily been like, I never, maybe that happened in a parallel universe. And I was still so upset that I decided not to adopt him. And he ended up with another family at some point. I don't know. But like that to me is kind of, it felt like fate. It felt like Sam came into my life at the exact time that I needed him to be there. You know? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking about my dogs too much today. (laughs) Maybe that should be another shot. You take a shot every time Bethany talks about the dogs or every time the dogs bark, which surprisingly has not happened today. I think their dad gave them a bone. Um, And so let's get back to the topic at hand. (laughs) Thorne says, after Cress says this whole thing about fate and maybe there is no such thing as fate. Maybe it's just our opportunities and what we do with them. Thorn says, you know, if it was a bad kiss, you could just say so. Are you feeling a little insecure, Thorn? A little bit. It feels a I little insecure. <laughs> like, <laughs> but she says it wasn't a bad kiss. Of course it wasn't. It was her first one. Of course, and it it was at the brink of death. It was like the most picture, not picturesque, but you know what I mean. Like it was the most perfect thing to ever happen, right? Ugh. I don't know. It's just first kisses are always cute and fun, right? I don't know. <laughs> I think they are. I'm such a hopeless romantic. Like listeners already know that about me. So of course I'm like, oh, they kiss. <laughs> this is amazing. Um, but Thorne said he was under a lot of pressure. This, there were a lot of expectations and they were about to die. And he didn't, he didn't want to ruin that for her, which again, I think that's heroic. I think that's romantic. I know, just like, I know, just like the circumstances that Cress was in and then not wanting, like caring enough. Oh man, is caring the bar for heroicism now? I mean, society has taught us that we needed to lower our bar from being rescued, right? (laughs) 
but no, I think it, I think it's really sweet. Yeah, I think it's really sweet. And Cress like kind of hugs herself and she, she says, no, of course it wasn't a bad kiss. And thank you for doing that for me. And he kisses her hand um, and says, the pleasure was all mine. Oh, my heart. <laughs> break my heart, Marissa. It was only ever yours to break in the first place. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, I praised one author with a quote from another one. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It works. So that is chapter 57, which was very heartfelt. It was that chapter. As it was said. that chapter. <laughs> so how did you feel getting to talk about that chapter? Like you usually talk about an entire book in one episode. This is like oh a my huge gosh, deep dive. Did it feel like, did it feel like <laughs> too much or? No, it felt for that chapter. It was just enough. <laughs> <laughs> we did like, okay I, on tangents, I think, but you know, I was yeah, in the mood to talk about my dogs, just, I guess. <laughs> that chapter is just so like, it's not necessarily like the cute, like it is super cute and I love it so much, but it's also kind of, it's like a little bit sad where like Cress isn't just like head over heels going to do anything to make this perfect love story happen. Like she's coming to reality and so is Thorn. And so like, it's kind of sad, but it's like a pivotal moment in their relationship. Uh, it's so good. It's so good. I agree. I agree. So let's talk about song titles. What was your song title for chapter 57? Okay, my song title was My Motto by Jade Bird. And it's kind of what I was just talking about. That song is about like, um, it's like not kind of not putting up with it if it's going to be bad for you, kind of. And I feel like it's definitely more sad than this situation in this um, in this chapter. But I feel like it was kind of like the girl being like, I'm not going to put up with it. I don't care. Like, And that's kind of what Cress is doing. N- a little bit. Not that extreme, but yeah. Yeah, it, it applies, I think. And that's partly why I chose my, my song, um, which is Rare by Selena Gomez, one of my favorite songs by her. And I... The main lyrics that stand out to me is, why don't you recognize I'm so rare? There's a lot of elements in the song, like my ambitions are too high. I saw us getting older. You know, you've been so distant from me lately. You know, it's, it's mostly about like, look, I'm obviously perfect for you. Why don't you recognize how <laughs> great I am? You don't appreciate me. Right. And I kind of feel like to a certain extent, that's Cress and Thorn together. Cress is like, right. why don't you see that we're soulmates? And Thorn is like, hi. <laughs> and, and, and there is a part of Cress, I think, that feels like, why doesn't he get it? Why doesn't he understand what we have? Because love is rare. Right. Love is magical. And it should be celebrated. And to Cress, that's like all she's ever wanted to a certain extent is the love of a family, the love of friendship, the love of someone from a significant perspective, like a significant other. And so I feel like for for Cress, 
she's always going to have this desire of like, why not? Maybe. I don't know if mm-hmm. I'm saying that right. Sometimes I just ramble. No, I get what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Sometimes I'll like start a sentence and I'll be like, that actually wasn't even fully formed in my head and now it's gone. Yeah, it's like, I don't know but- what I'm saying, but lyrics work, I think. That's what I was saying. Uh- no, that makes sense. I feel like it's like the, you know, finally coming out of your fantasy of what could have been and being like, oh, you don't feel like that, I guess I have to get used to that kind of thing. Yeah, I agree. Well, like, she's not sad about it. I don't know. The end of this chapter is so strange. Like, this last little conversation they have, Cress is like, you know, maybe it's not the perfect relationship. Maybe we have to try for it. And Thorne's like, oh, so you hate me. (laughs) And Cress is like, no, it's just not like the perfect scene that I pictured in my head kind of thing. Yeah, I think Cress is more sad about the fact that Thorne doesn't see things the way that she does than mm. anything else. And I, I do think, like she says, she's still she is in love with him, maybe more so than anything else, than any other right. Right. Um and I think that Thorne is just like we said, he's kind of obtuse to it. He still doesn't take her feelings seriously. Right. Like, I think that the like, problem is that, like, he doesn't take her feelings seriously. He thinks of her as, to a certain extent, I don't think this is, I think this is more, he's he's growing out of that thought process. But, like, he still wonders if she sees him as this great hero and this hot guy and that's why she's in love with him. Because she's never met another man. She's never had another crush. She's never had another interaction. Whereas... Right. is like I don't need to see the rest I have the best right I yeah it's almost like they're running on like parallel lines it's like Thorne doesn't he like doesn't want her to think that he's something that she's not but meanwhile he is falling in love with her as a person and then Cress is like I don't need to see you as this hero that I read about in the news. I see who you are as a person. And they're, like, missing each other. It's like they both care about each other as people and not just, like, this this idea kind of thing. Right. But they're not connecting. <laughs> they're not. Yeah, I completely it's not agree. It's connecting. Like, there's a disconnect there for sure. And I think that... I think that the main maybe problem with that is that, or maybe not problem, like it's a book, we need plot, we need like, we need (laughs) conflict. Um, But I I think the main component of that is just that it's, they have different perspectives on things and their perspectives Mm -hmm. haven't aligned yet. Maybe they will. Maybe that's what we get to, to look forward to as as readers. I know that, yeah, I think that is why this conversation seems so off to me because, like, not off in, like, a bad way, but it's, like, they're both missing each other. It's, like, they both care about each other as real people so much, but they just can't get past this, like, these preconceived notions that they both have. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that's what I was going for. I agree. (laughs) It's, I know sometimes it's like, I know what I mean in my head. How do I make it come out with words? 
Make it make sense. <laughs> That's what we have Marissa for. Her words always make sense. <laughs> so what was your quote for this chapter of Marissa's magical words that make sense? <laughs> well, I think my, my all-time favorite quote, not all-time of like the whole series, but like of this book is, did, did we meet by fate? No, I'm pretty sure it was Cinder, but I chose... Maybe there isn't such thing as fate. Maybe it's the opportunities we're given and what we do with them. I'm beginning to think that maybe great epic romances don't just happen. We have to make them ourselves. And I love that. But we, we've kind of been talking about that this whole time. So Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> no when we get to, to the part with the quotes, it's kind of like, I said all this already, but here we go again. <laughs> I, I completely agree. And, and partly why I chose my quote was, because I think this kind of is her acknowledging that it's not fate. Mm-hmm. It It is Thorn. It's not fate that brought them right. together. It's not fate that makes them have this great epic romance. It's the fact that Thorn is a hero. He just doesn't know it. So my quote was, Now he was the Carswell Thorn who had given her strength in the desert, who had come for her when she was kidnapped, who had kissed her when hope was lost and death was imminent. Those are two different people. It's so good. I know. Uh. <laughs> so this week there were there weren't any Easter eggs, but you guys you know sometimes I miss them, so feel free to email me if you see some. The bonus <laughs> word hair appeared four times. The bonus word captain appeared twice. Next week we're going to cover chapter fifty-eight. Haley, tell us where we majored in English for this can be found when do your episodes come out and where can people find you on social media um instagram and facebook it's just we majored in english for this and then twitter is we majored in ing e-n-g because short twitter doesn't like (laughs) really long things right (laughs) so that's twitter uh we post once a week but which day that is is up in the air pretty much until un- until it comes out pretty much every every week though most of the time um yeah what else, what else was i gonna say um that's it just where oh, can yeah, people just- find you and when the episodes come out <laughs> apple spotify our website it's, it's not a super common name so if you just google we majored in english for this We'll be there. <laughs> so a big thank you for coming on because I had so much fun talking to you and I love getting to work with other podcasters. Yeah, this is super fun. It's always so much fun for me and I love getting to like meet new people in this way and because it's like, oh, I already know they like books. <laughs> Readers, keep listening, keep reading. And this week we're going to try a new sign off phrase. Uh which there's been a lot of conflict on in the Discord chat on Patreon for. Uh, oh no, gloves are off. So I'm going to post it on Instagram and see what people prefer. We usually say don't get glamored, um, but now we're considering saying Captain is King, which on the Discord <gasps> chat has turned into Cadet is cl- King and Cadet is Clown. So I don't really know where <laughs> we're going yet, but for today we'll try Captain is King. Um, and I'm going to put up an Instagram poll and see what other people think. And for those of you who don't have social media, 
feel free to email me, princekythampod.com. Do you prefer Don't Get Glamoured or Captain is King? We shall find out what everybody thinks. What do you prefer, Haley? I I like Don't Get Glamoured. I think that's super cute. Right? But but that's just me. I like Captain is King, I get, because it's like that's the password, I guess. I don't know. Oh, true. Well, then we should say it at the, you should say it at the top of the episode. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I can get Marissa to record it for me at some point, and I'll put it like at the very beginning or very end or something. I don't know. Nice. Yeah. That would be awesome. I don't know. I'm going to put it on Instagram and see what everybody thinks, and we will find out. So until next time, don't get glamoured and Captain is King. But most importantly, don't keep reading and keep listening. <laughs> keep reading, keep listening, keep ranting and raving about books. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. I hope you have a good night. Yeah, of course. You Bye. too. The passages read for you today are from Cress by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Haley from We Majored in English for This podcast. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Angela Wong. Thank you for listening. You are getting sleepy, very sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. Right, my darling? Yes, dear. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. You will not dislodge the hose and blast air all about the bedroom. You will not wake me, your loving husband, who yearns for even a single night of uninterrupted slumber. Please. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. Inspire treats the root cause of sleep apnea inside your body. While you sleep, Inspire keeps your airway clear so you can breathe normally and rest comfortably. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com to learn more. Inspire, sleep apnea innovation. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com.